Hello, my name is Jamie Starkey, and you're listening to Global Pursuit. This podcast is being produced for the International Development Studies Program at the University of Montana with the intention of inspiring young people to contribute to tackling global challenges. This week's guest is Nader Shushtari. Thank you so much for being here. What is your connection with the International Development Studies Program at the University of Montana? Well, aside from having members of the steering committee of IDS as colleagues I've known for many years, I teach two classes. One is BGen 360, which is international business at the undergraduate level. I also teach B Management 685, which is the graduate international business required of our MBA students. And both of those are content courses in the IDS program. So depending on the status of the student, whether they are undergraduate or graduate students. And then in terms of my role on the steering committee, I also work with Phyllis Nagai in courses that we select for both content as well as core categories for IDS and generally try to promote the program to our students in the College of Business. Nice. I think it's really great that the IDS program has so many different courses from different disciplines and business is definitely a very important one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're working as a professor of marketing and the international business director for the University of Montana's College of Business. Through your work, what global issues do you typically deal with? So the courses that I teach are basically, I would say, general courses at the undergraduate and graduate levels. In other words, we don't focus on a specific subset of issues internationally. But in terms of my own research, especially when it comes to a state like Montana, because Montana, as you know, is semi-rural, small population. We don't have a big industrial base. Through my research on the topic of entry of small to mid-sized enterprises in international markets, I've been surveying some of the smaller businesses in Montana in terms of their international business activities and trying to share that with the larger audience, not just through my teaching, but also through publications like Montana Business Quarterly, which is a publication of the Bureau of Business and Economic Research in the in the College of Business. And that's the only bureau in the state of Montana for that purpose. Wow. That's cool that you can look at and research those businesses in Montana for what you're doing, getting small and mid-sized businesses and global cooperation. And why do you choose to focus on this? I think one of the main reasons has to do with my educational background, which is part of my passions. I've always been interested in business is a fairly broadly defined area. So say I'm interested in business, it can be any, but within that area as a subset, which in and of itself is even fairly broad, I'm interested and focused on marketing based on my educational background. And then in terms of marketing area itself, two emphases that I have, one is marketing strategy, and then the other one is customer service and satisfaction, because I think customer service is, I call it the easy difficult. (laughs) In other words, uh, the fundamentals of quality customer service are commonsensical, very easy to understand. And yet for companies to consistently exercise and implement excellent customer service strategies is problematic. More often than not, they fall short. 
And in fact, the examples of excellent customer service, a dozen or so companies that you hear about often, is testimony to not having hundreds or thousands of companies that all practice the customer service. We're all creatures of habit. And for excellent customer service, you have to break those habits. And a lot of those habits, companies are either unwilling or unable or some combination where they understand what good customer service is. They accept the principles, but when it comes to practicing them, they often fall short. I like how you say it's so commonsensical, yet so many businesses don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Good customer service often becomes defined as companies who do less harm than others are considered to provide better customer service, which is really a, a backward way of looking at it. It's not yeah. how great of a job they're doing, but which companies are doing less harm. And they're considered to provide better customer service, which is, again, not the best way to approach it. But unfortunately, that's how you define how well companies do by their customers. Good customer service is definitely crucial to keep people coming back to a business. Yeah, a lot of times you go back to a business not because they provide excellent customer service, but because they do better than others, that's all. Wow, that's really interesting. So for excellent customer service or getting small to medium-sized businesses at an international level, how do you think transnational collaborations can help address these So in the sense of transactional collaboration, I don't think my focus would be so much on customer service or on the area of small to mid-sized enterprises per se. But when you're looking at global challenges, especially for a lot of the smaller countries, many businesses are mom and pop operations. Many businesses are considered to be small to mid-sized enterprises. Many, many countries, especially many of the developing countries where development programs and issues are more germane perhaps. But development studies doesn't have to be restricted to things international. In fact, for students, for example, that are interested in international development studies, many of them don't go into so-called international development studies immediately. Many of them actually end up working, hopefully in that area, broadly defined domestically. And it might be a few years before there's opportunities for them to find their way to do things at the international level. The same way that we offer in the College of Business a major in international business. But we also require a second major. In other words, you have to couple that with a functional major such as marketing, accounting, finance, no management information systems. Because if you get your bachelor's degree and you say, my area is international business, well, what do you do in the international? Do you do human resource management in the international arena? Do you do finance in the international arena? Do you do accounting in the international arena? In other words, you have to have some functional area that you apply within an international setting. And a lot of times you have to have that interest in mind. And then as you work up through your career aspirations over the years, you will find opportunities where the company you're looking at and working for will want to have individuals get into the international aspects of their business. And that's when you actually show your interest through your activities, through the experience that you have built within the corporation. Like This is how I have showed my interest. This is my background. You know, I have a 
in the second major in international business. So I think in international development studies, it works along the same line where many of our graduates, they don't end up immediately working in organizations which deal with international development studies. A lot of times you actually work your way up into those positions. What we learn, you may actually apply it domestically. There's lots of areas within the United States. There's a lot of communities that are economically disadvantaged where the same concepts, the same strategies equally apply. For sure. I think it's really good to point out that there is a lot of international development goals that can still be applied domestically. And it is hard to just graduate and go right into an international career. And that kind of goes into the next question a little bit. How do you think college students can help to solve global problems? You talked about how it's very common and okay to start domestically and find your skill first if you do want to go internationally. Well, if you look at college students, I mean, they represent the future, so to speak, as many of the people who work in international development studies, like anything else, cycle out because uh, they move on to other things. They get to a stage where they are uh, moving out of that position because of retirement, things of that nature. We need to make sure that we have an infusion of additional talent with people who have graduated, they have the necessary skills, and then importantly, they have the passion to pursue those kinds of opportunities. And if you don't have that pipeline, so to speak, filled, when people on the edge of the pipeline, they kind of drop off and exit the system, then you're not going to have the steady supply of talent to backfill behind them. So I think the college students play a critical role in continuing that stream of talent that we need. And then a lot of our students, I actually think the new generation in terms of their ideals, their value systems, some of the things they hear that the internet generation, they can't get away from their cell phone, so on and so forth. Uh, they, they actually have very solid value systems. And when they get to a stage where they begin to apply their expertise and follow their passion, especially if it's focused on international development studies, that is when their contributions are really going to hit home. So I guess I remain very optimistic. I think that they actually will be able to offer more than, let's say, my generation, because I think their values are as solid, if not more solid than ours. That's good to hear. A lot of what I've heard is that our generation does not have as good of like traditional American values. I really enjoy that optimism. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you see the older generation, they worry. It's like this new generation, they can't get their act together. And then when the new generation gets to the stage where they need to step up and play that critical role, they do just fine. Then what I look at in terms of my students or even my own family, I actually think my kids are much better than I am in terms of their value system. They're a lot better than I am. <laughs> Maybe I'm too cynical and know myself too well. Well, we will see how things go in the coming years. Besides just building up your resume and finding your skill and passion, do you have any other advice for college students who want to prepare themselves for career tracks that allow them to contribute and so, seek solutions? To me, my philosophy toward life has been, I mean, some people might be, believe in reincarnation, maybe we'll get another opportunity and that's fine. But that is, again, it, whether people think that's the way to go and I'd much rather 
focus on sure things, which means the life we have, as opposed to saying, well, I'll do better when I'm reincarnated the second or third or fourth time around. And sometimes I joke, what if you are reincarnated as a cockroach? Then what are you going to do? It's just like (laughs) all of your plans fall apart. But my philosophy is try to live your life. I know however you define it, and we all have different passions, different goals, so on and so forth. But we all have the capacity to make meaningful contributions in our own way. And hopefully as a result of our being here, when we leave, we leave things a little bit better than they were before. I look back or any of us look back and we say, I think I made more of a positive contribution rather than, let's say, the world being worse because of my being. If we can say that, I think we've made a contribution. And then doing that, it's like you're walking through a field that is muddy. To me, you're going to get your feet, your shoes, or what have you muddy anyway. Instead of tippy-toeing through the whole thing, leave big footprints. You want to make sure people look there and they know you've been there. In other words, be a little bit bold. Don't be afraid of failure. And that's the only way we learn. In fact, we you know, learn from our failures. Everybody fails. It's how we deal with them that matters. And as young people, keep a flexible mind, keep an open mind. I often encourage my students or younger people within my family to seek multiple sources of information and bounce them against each other in terms of arriving at what information actually makes sense, what information I should take in making a particular decision. And don't be just cubby-holed into just one narrow slot where that's the only source of information you draw upon. Especially nowadays, don't limit yourself to just social media where there's a lot of hype and individual opinions, sometimes one extreme or the other, all put in there. In terms of my own reading, and obviously we do more of that on the internet, I always you know, look at four or five sources of news and information. And sometimes they give me the same story, but two or three different versions. And then I arrive at my own conclusion and I weigh them sometimes based on what I think the slant or the bias of the author or the source of information may be. But I'm the one who will make the decision in terms of how I incorporate the information and act upon it rather than essentially buying into somebody else's narrative wholesale. I have my own. I kind of want to keep it that way. My advice for the younger people is don't develop a herd mentality. You don't have to follow the crowd. Whatever direction that you want to follow, make sure that's the direction that you have chosen with your eyes wide open and it's a well-informed decision. And then if you find that's not the way to go, don't be afraid to change. Just because you started the wrong direction, there's no harm in turning around and going a different route. And like I said, I'm also optimistic about the young generation. I think the young generation, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of energy. They have a lot to contribute. And hopefully they will be the one that lead us in a better direction, clean up some of the mess that the previous generations have created. <laughs> I think it's really good that you pointed out to get information from multiple sources because with social media, a lot of times the algorithm will feed back to you what you like to look at and what you spend most time looking at. So it can be very easy to get in a loop of one specific viewpoint on things. So yeah, I think it's very important for our generation to make that decision for themselves to go out and look for other opinions. 
not just take in what social media may be giving us. And what you said about leaving a big footprint, I think that's really great for college kids to hear because growing up, you're going to high school and college and you're either trying to get a good grade or not trying to make anybody mad. You're being told what to do. It can be hard to be bold and make an assertion yourself. We can try to convince others and perhaps even succeed in convincing others that what we say or what we do is correct, our opinions are valuable, or our actions are meritorious. But in the end, to me, the ultimate judge is when I look in the mirror and I see the person in the mirror, am I happy with that person or not? Because if inside me, I know that the things that I'm sharing with others are not truthful or I have been less than candid about things or I've been living under some aspect of my life. I've been like pretentious. Then to me, it doesn't matter how many people pat me on the back or applaud me. If I know that those things are not true, then at least personally, against that's my value system. I have never tried to emulate others. And it's like the people have idols or they look up to anybody else. Maybe that's a flaw in my character, but I have never looked up to anyone else in my life. Not a one. At the end of the day, do I like and respect myself for what I did during that day? And that's, for me, my main criteria. That's great. I think that's incredible advice for people. I hope it will inspire them, whether they are using that in contributing global challenges or just in other walks of life. Thank you for doing this and pleasure meeting you. You too. Thank you so much.